these projects have a lifespan of like 25 years. It might seem like a small two megawatts, not much, but when you add it up over the lifespan of a project and maybe doing 10, 20 of them, you're powering a lot of homes. When I'm looking back in 30 years, will I be able to smile on things I've done and the legacy I've built? I don't have a case of the Mondays anymore, which is very important to me. I don't really dread like getting up and going to work because I know it's going to be something new every day. Over the past few decades, we've seen renewable energy flourish in America, especially wind and solar, which have dropped sharply in cost and now make up a rising percentage of U.S. generation. New solar and wind farms are coming online all the time, and one of the key steps in delivering the electricity they generate to consumers is talking to the utility and getting them connected to the grid. And that's more challenging than it sounds. Thankfully, we've got someone on the show today who has worked on both sides of that process. You're listening to Direct Current, an Energy.gov podcast. I'm your host, Matt Dozier. I want to introduce you to Conrad Flowers. He's a lead power engineer for Nexamp, a Chicago-based solar company, and he went to work there after leaving his job with the utility company to pursue his passion for renewable energy. This is the latest episode in our People-Powered series highlighting workers in clean energy. Stay tuned. It's science for the people. This is Direct Current. I'm Conrad Flowers. My job title is lead power engineer, and I live in Chicago. Nice. So tell me a little about yourself, kind of where you grew up, how long you've been in Chicago, that sort of thing. So I kind of moved around a little bit. I was born in Chicago, then I lived in Jamaica for a few months, then I moved back to Chicago, then I moved to Florida for a few years, like 13 years, and then I ended back up in Chicago. I lived in the suburb for a while, so basically a lot of Chicago in my travel history. So I want to talk about your job. Tell me a little bit more about the work you do. And if you can explain it, like you're talking to a friend or a relative who doesn't understand the work that you do. Can you explain that a little? So what I do, my main goal is to act as a like intermediate between the utility and the company I work for, which is Nexamp. So we build solar farms. The most simplistic way to describe this is a solar farm consists of solar panels, which absorb the light and turn that light energy into direct current, which is just basically power flow. And then on the site, we also have an inverter, which turns the DC current into AC current, which is basically the current that the utility and most houses use. So along the line, after we turn power to AC, we use a transformer to step up the voltage. So basically more power and a higher voltage. The reason you increase the voltage is to reduce losses when Electricity travels distances, there are losses, but higher voltages sustain less losses. So, Right. And so, okay. And and, then your role, what is your specific focus? Okay. So I I, I have a a lot of responsibilities. Like I said earlier, primarily communicating with utilities. So the first thing, we'll submit our application to connect to the grid. And I'll kind of make sure the equipment is up to standard and what the utility wants. And it performs as the utility would expect. After we submit the application, they will give us the data back that corresponds to our site. So we'll review the data and make sure everything looks good. It looks like the standard we're used to. And the main goal of all these schematics and data is to connect the solar farm to the grid. And also, like, when they give us data, sometimes we got to push back 
and challenge the utility and give them recommendations on ways to be more efficient and like alter requirements just for, I would say, cost engineering. Because among a lot of things, the site has to be financially viable as well as electrically complete. Yeah, I was going to say, how much of your role is, is kind of like, are you thinking about engineering? You're thinking about, you know, voltage and that kind of thing. And then these other considerations, like business considerations. It all depends what phase of the product we're in. A lot of times you have to wear a lot of hats. Like in the initial interconnection phase, it'll be like probably 30% engineering and the rest is just paperwork and making sure you're like dotting your I's across your T's. And then when you move more into the reviewing document, that's pretty technical. So I say, 80, 20, 80% engineering and 20% focusing on the business needs and requirements. You can't just be thinking about kind of one aspect of it. Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's, it's a lot of aspects that go into getting a project off the ground. A lot of projects don't get past the interconnection phase for one reason or the other. Sometimes the interconnection costs are completely too high or the utility is saying that their equipment can't sustain whatever we're trying to put on a grid. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation trying to connect, but I guess we make it work for the most part. Right, right. As best you can, I'm sure. Um, your region that you're kind of focused on, is this all immediate Chicago area or is it more kind of across Illinois, that sort of thing? Um, my region's pretty big. So I tend to, the, to Illinois, Minnesota, Tennessee, Georgia, Maryland, Hawaii, New Mexico, and California. Some of them are new markets, so I guess that's where the lead power engineer terms come from. Like, I kind of go in first to get my hands dirty, figure out like the tariffs and things that are going on and how the utilities work and make the initial communications and bring back that information and kind of distribute it and train some of the newer interconnection engineers on the processes and procedures. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, you you've got you cover a real wide area. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. It's a lot. What, what um so okay, when you're kind of like as the lead interconnection engineer, you say you kind of go in first, get your hands dirty. First time you go in, you're like looking at a project, you're gathering information, doing research. What are you looking for in the in the first place? I mean, what's kind of like, what's the first place you start? The most important thing will be understanding the utility requirements, like what equipment they would require, how they go about things, how their process is from the interconnection stage, the study process, what documents they require if they have any unique requirements for their schematics or their drawings. It's a wide range of things you kind of got to look for. So the more you do it, the more you get used to it. Because initially it was basically like hieroglyphics at first, but now it's, it's a little better. Right. I, I mean, does it vary really widely from utility to utility, state to state? I would say yes, especially from the East Coast to the Midwest. And Hawaii might be the most difficult I think they're pretty advanced, but yeah, it's it, it, it's like small nuances, but the general concept is the same. Gotcha. Okay, so can you describe a, a typical day on the job for you? Um, what would it look like, you know, as you're you're going through your your work on a typical day? Oh wow! Like I guess the most of my day would consist of meetings. Right. Outside of meeting with the utility, I kind of do a lot of reviews. I'm always trying to keep up with utilities changes. They have like monthly update calls to kind of say what's going on in the region. Sometimes I'm in the field doing site visits or I'm doing like commissioning of a site or witness testing. Yeah, it varies. It's it's a it's a new thrill every day, I can say. Yeah. Uh, how did you get into this line of work? Well, um, it was a little unorthodox. So I started in the utility and I worked there for a long time. 
for about eight years. And I mean, I liked my job, but I kind of was looking for a little more fulfillment. And while I was working at the utility, I was also a STEM instructor. So I found a lot of fulfillment in like training the next generation engineers. So that kind of became my focus. Like I definitely want to train people and help them and develop them as engineers. So that kind of segued into a lot more volunteering, like hosting volunteering events. And um, I kind of found out when I was volunteering, like that's when I was my most happy. So I kind of wanted to figure out how to direct my life in a more altruistic lifestyle and include that in my career path somehow. So I wasn't exactly sure what it looked like. I looked at a few um, nonprofits and they kind of were, nonprofits are, were pretty good, but a lot of them weren't that technical. And I didn't want to be too much of a paper pusher. I hate to use those words, but I wanted to kind of stay on a technical track. So I, I found this thing called the Caribbean Climate Accelerator, and that piqued my interest in renewable energy. And the one thing I noticed was everybody that was in that field was happy. And I figured that was a good mix of helping the environment and also still utilizing my technical acumen. So that's how I kind of got into the renewable space. I guess the next step for me was just kind of figuring out where I would fit with my utility experience. That's why I kind of segued into interconnection engineer, because I had that background in the utility. So that gave me a kind of a foot in the door. At this point, I just had to really learn the DC side of things, which was kind of a learning curve, but it was really interesting. So it worked out pretty good. Useful background, you know, with the utility side of things to come in from sort of the other side. Yeah, it, it helped a lot, actually. When I'm communicating with the utility, I can speak their language, which helps me tremendously in my role, for sure. Is a dream job in renewable energy always at the back of your mind? Why not follow Conrad's lead and take steps towards a more fulfilling career? Apply for the Clean Energy Corps and find your calling in the energy sector. As the largest funder of clean energy technology in the country, the Department of Energy has led the way on innovations that have helped accelerate solar, wind, energy efficiency, and more. The Clean Energy Corps is now hiring across a wide range of fields, locations, and expertise. So there are a lot of opportunities to get involved, help America meet its climate goals, and deliver a more equitable energy future. So don't wait. It's easy to apply. Just submit your resume and fill out the survey at energy.gov careers today. Regarding the sort of education and training that you got in the course of your career that led you to this point, you know, what kind of level of education and training did it really take? I mean, I can't really speak for everyone, but I have an undergraduate and a master's in electrical engineering. I think a technical background in any type of engineering will help you just in general with this field. But I would say mechanical and electrical probably your best bet. But the thing about the field is like there's a role for every type of person, every type of background, every type of engineer, every type of any field can get their hands in there. Because we, I mean, we have a county department, we have a civil team that looks at all the projects. So, you know, it's kind of like if you have a passion for renewables, you can get in as long as, long as that's what you want to do. So you mentioned teaching. Are you teaching electrical engineering or a variety of courses? Uh, well, when I was teaching, I was a STEM instructor for a program called Project Sincere, a really great program that kind of, that was kind of the pivotal point in my life where I kind of chose, I like, I got to figure out what I want to do. And it kind of pushed me in the direction of figuring out something different. So I was just teaching science, technology, engineering, mathematics to a wide range of students from elementary school through high school. It's project-based learning. So we would just do projects and kind of go through the scientific aspects of them after we did the project. We made like hydropower cars, we made catapults, we made a lot of things, but it was a really good experience. Well, that's awesome. 
What do you like about your current job? I would say the thing I like the most is one that I'm helping the environment in general, but even more than that is the learning curve. I mean, because even though renewable is like been around for a while, it's still in its infancy. It's a lot of growth, a lot of energy being put in advancing the technology. So it's always something you learn something new all the time. I think why I want to be an engineer was to learn, keep on learning, like continuous learning. It's like, that's kind of what I like about it the most. You know, you talked about being like the lead uh, interconnection engineer, mentoring, that sort of thing. I mean, that must push you to kind of really sharpen your skills and fostering that kind of next next generation of engineers. Yeah, so um, a lot of it is on-the-job training. So another thing about the company is autonomy of it. So my job, you kind of got to make your own path and learn what you want to learn. I think the best way to develop this is what kind of what the front of sincere STEM instructors taught us. Like the whole goal of the program was to make self-directed learners. So I kind of absorbed that mentality myself too. So I kind of take it upon myself to learn different aspects and attend different trainings like that I find online and reach out to other engineers in the field and join groups like young freshman engineer and kind of pick their brain and stuff like that. So I think a lot of it is just me going out to get it on my own. I mean, I don't want to take away from my coworkers and colleagues that have helped me along the way, but yeah, they kind of teach you the basics and you got to kind of hit the ground running. Right, right. So this move to the renewable space uh, with NextAmp, what kind of impact has that made on your life? Um, I guess the main thing would be um, that I don't have a case of the Mondays anymore, which is very important to me. So <laughs> like, I, I don't really dread like getting up and going to work because I know it's going to be something new every day. And I, I kind of feel like I'm making an impact, even if it's really small. Every time we turn on projects, I know that I've done something like it's tangible. It's something that you can touch. You can see, you can kind of tell people about, you can drive past and say like, oh, I had a, I had a hand in making this project work. But I'll say that would be the greatest impact on myself. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to seeing a, a new solar project come online, get connected to the grid, you know, through the work that you've done, you know, knowing that that's going to be reducing carbon emissions and, you know, helping fight climate change, that sort of thing. You ever think about that aspect of it? Uh, of course. Yeah. I think that's what, that's what I basically mean by doing my part. I think a lot of times people um, overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So like these projects have a lifespan of like 25 years. So like it might seem like a small two megawatts is not much, but when you add it up over the lifespan of a project and maybe doing 10, 20 of them, you're kind of making an impact. You're powering a lot of homes and a lot of businesses and you're doing it in a renewable energy space. Do you see this as a lifelong career, something you want to stick with for the long term? Yeah, of course, in some aspect or another. I would eventually like to get back in the teaching role, maybe as a professor or something, expanding the minds of others to get in the field, making it fun and accessible. So, yeah. I would like to stay in, in the renewable energy space for the remainder of my career, yes. Can you talk a little about the pay, benefits, advancements, um, generally speaking, of the, the type of work that you're doing? I think the main perk would be the ability to grow because since the field is growing so rapidly and all of the companies are hiring so, so much, like the companies will be growing under you. I mean, even me as somebody with two years of experience, I'm like, pretty experienced relative to my coworkers. And that's completely different from what I'm used to in like working at utility. We're like the person with the most experience at 52 years. And a lot of people have had 30 years of experience. So you can grow. 
as far as the pay relatively, I think it's on par with the pay scale for an engineer and the perks are good. And if that's really um specific company you join. Since a lot of the companies are newer and smaller, it's more of a um, progressive and modern workspaces and idealistic individuals in general. So yeah, I think it's a good field to get in, especially now because it's just at the beginning of beginning the peak. Right. I know you have a, a passion for educating uh, people and, and helping them find their own career paths. What advice would you have for others looking to get into this career? The first step would be is you have to decide you want to change. Like, okay, so I had a meeting with somebody a while ago and the person was talking and one word he said stood out to me was like legacy. So he was like, what do you want your legacy to be? And I thought about it in my current career. I was like, yeah, I don't know my legacy is going to really make much of a difference or impact. Like where my name is written and where my stamp is won't really kind of create the legacy that I would envision for myself. Like when I'm looking back in 30 years, will I be able to smile on things I've done and the legacy I've built? So yeah, think about what legacy you want to leave and how you want to do that in your career. For me, it started with committing to actually leaving where I was at because you might've noticed I'm into quotes. So I saw a quote a long time ago that said, um, everything will change when your desire to move on exceeds your desire to hold on. So the first decision I had to make was that I was going to leave the space I'm in. And then I had to figure out where I wanted to go. And once I figured out that I wanted to do renewables, I started training myself and doing self-learning. And it, it was much easier for me to segue into renewables because I did it for myself. It was something I wanted to do. So me getting on the computer after work for a few hours and going through coursework and learning on my own and figuring out the DC side of things. They helped me a lot get into the field. So even when I was interviewing or talking to people, a lot of people were like, oh, how do you know these things? I'm like, yeah, because I took the time to go out and learn. So that was my advice. Well, Conrad, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I don't know. The pleasure's mine. That's all for this episode of Direct Current. You can find more about Conrad's work and the Department of Energy's efforts to streamline interconnection for renewable projects in our show notes at energy.gov slash podcast. Thanks to Conrad Flowers and the folks at Nexamp for their participation, and to our intern, Kea Barot, for her help with the episode. Subscribe to Direct Current on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to hear more episodes in our people-powered series. Direct Current is produced by me, Matt Dozier. Sarah Harmon creates original artwork for all of our episodes. This is a production of the U.S. Department of Energy and published from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening.